Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Friday, December 8th, 2023. This is our Intelligence Roundtable with Ray McGovern and today, Matt Ho. Gentlemen, you are both familiar with each other and with the audience and with me and with the show. And welcome back. It's late in the day on a, on a cold Friday afternoon here in the Northeast. And thank you very much uh, for joining us. As we come on air... Ray, you reported uh, to me, and Matt, you uh, affirmed it. The Security Council of the United Nations voted, I think, 13 to 1 to 1 uh, on a resolution calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. The Security Council, of course, cannot do anything if one of the permanent members dissents, and the sole dissent was the United States of America. The other um, permanent member didn't, uh, the, one of the other permanent members didn't dissent, but abstained. So the U.S. dissent, dissents, Britain uh, abstains and nothing happens. You're not surprised, are you, Matt? No, I'm not. Um, I mean, I, I wish I was, right? There's a part of me that this morning was thinking, wow, imagine if, if the U.S. actually just even abstained itself, uh, not even voted for it. But there was no way that was ever going to happen. And so now this potentially goes, or I, I assume goes to the General Assembly, but there's not much teeth behind that. Yeah. Uh, and so now the question becomes, what will other nations do? What are other nations going to do to stop this? And whether it's uh, nations, uh, you know, I'd, li- I'd love to see my ancestral uh, homes of Ireland and Spain uh, continue to step forward in this issue and invoke the Genocide Convention. I'd like to see regional nations get together and say, this is how we are going to handle this. And this is what we're going to do, whether it be some type of economic blockade, whether it be further diplomatic, whether it be legal, but something to stop this ongoing genocide. I mean, this is really, I'll use a word from the streets, disgusting hmm. that the United uh, Ray, that the United States voted against this. This is not a condemnation of the Netanyahu government. This is a humanitarian ceasefire so that innocent civilian human beings can get food, water, shelter, and clothing, and the United States votes against it. How the hell would Joe Biden justify this to the public, Ray? Uh, Judge, he can't justify it to the public, and this is going to be a real black mark on uh, the upcoming election. Young people seem to care a little bit more about justice than old people, I'm sorry to say, and it's going to really hurt him. Um, Now, we have uh, an Israeli mayor of one of those cities saying we ought to bury alive all those, quote, subhuman 
Palestinian, end quote, Palestinian civilians. My God, uh, it's clear that this is a genocide. Uh, and as Matt pointed out, the real question is, what will these Arab countries do? What will these countries who are full of displaced Palestinians, what will the Iranians do and what will Turkey do? They're going to do something. And I hope and pray that they do economic leverage first because that will work. It will be slower. But it'll be clear that they intend to do something, something strong. And that's, of course, what's indicated here. What do you think, uh, Matt? How, how much more patience will Turkey, uh, Egypt, Lebanon, Iran have? Well, you know, a number of, of Arab foreign ministers, along with the Turks, were in to meet with Tony Blinken before this vote happened. Um, about five or six of them, and including the, the foreign minister for the Palestinian Authority. In, so, in the U.S.? Uh, in, or Yeah, that's my yeah, understanding. At, yeah, At the and, U.N. <laughs> yeah. And so um, what was their message to him? I, mean, I can't imagine them at this point just going in and saying, we'd like you to let this ceasefire motion go forward. We'd like to see you. I mean, they, they had to have had some teeth to it. They've had to have had some type of leverage. I mean, and again, I come back. We've talked about this before. Other people have talked about this come back, at least Saudi Arabia was there, you know, come back at least with the threat of $7 a gallon gasoline during the elections next year. Do something at least to stop this. I mean, and what we're seeing is advance, just not the killing judge, but it's also, and this is, this is where, why the claims of genocide are credible, not because we're also seeing the intention, the stated intention, which is one part of it, but we're also seeing this destruction of the land. So now as, as Israel starts to, to utilize seawater, ostensibly to destroy the tunnels that Hamas is in. Well, the reality of that is they're destroying the aquifers. So they're destroying the drinking water for generations. They're destroying the land for any agricultural value. You know, and we start, we're seeing them destroy the universities. We're seeing them destroy centuries old mosques. We're seeing them kill poets. So they're destroying who the people are, the culture, the identity of the Palestinians. And so, my God, whatever it is that can be done must be done to stop this. I'm going to play a, a very emotional a clip that Ray uh, sent us of the great Daniel Ellsberg shortly before he died. But before I play that clip, Ray, and in furtherance of it, how dangerous is it for good men to do nothing in the face of unmitigated evil? It's very dangerous. On the other hand, people like Ed Snowden escaped. It really, really depends on whether you have an exit plan or you have powerful people like Julian Assange, in Ed Snowden's case, helping you get to safety. Now, uh, Russia was not Ed Snowden's first choice, clearly, but he's safe and he's contributing and he's got two little kids now. So it can end up in a happy resolution it has on a couple of occasions, but you have to realize you have to go in there and say to yourself what Dan Ellsberg said, wouldn't you, wouldn't you face life imprisonment to stop a god-awful war? He said that back in 1971, for God's sake. He was clear. He got off on a technicality, so he can escape too. Others can escape. And I just hope that his last warning, which was when he got the Sam Adams Award for Integrity, in intelligence back early this year, 
His last warning, warning can res resound, resonates loud and clear with those who have the documents. All they have to do is give them to some gutsy reporter like Neil Sheehan back in the day, took those documents together with Rick Smith, worked on them, put them out in the, in the New York right. Times. The reference, of course, is to the Pentagon Papers, uh, now a famous Supreme Court opinion standing for the proposition uh, that if the media, uh, the media possesses something of material interest to the public, it can publish it with civil and criminal immunity. That, of course, does not immunize the person who gave them the documents. Daniel Ellsberg was fortunate that the FBI broke into his psychiatrist's office during the trial and stole records of what the psychiatrist's notes were from the therapy sessions. And the trial judge was so outraged, he dismissed the charges in the middle of a trial for espionage. And Daniel Ellsberg walked out of the courtroom um, a free man. But he was obviously willing to go to jail to expose the lies in the Vietnam War. Here he is, very moving. One of, it may do not do what I did. Don't do what I did. Don't wait till the bombs are falling and thousands more have died. Act like Catherine Gunn. Act like as I wish I had done in 1964 when I knew that people were being lied to death. Putting out documents to that effect uh, before the war, right at the time, at whatever cost to oneself, at whatever risk, which is not even comparable to the massacres that were actually ongoing or in process. Uh, do what I wish I had done in 64, not what I waited till 69 and 71. Act like Catherine Gunn and Ed Snowden and Tom Tom Drake, uh, Bill Binney, many others on that list, uh, in particular uh, Ed Snowden and Julian Assange, and act while there are still lives to be saved. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. One of his last uh, public statements uh, before he died, basically a call, Matt, to people in government today who can document and demonstrate that the government, um, let's go to Ukraine, knows we're losing in Ukraine, knows the Ukrainian state has collapsed, knows the money we've sent there, much of it has been stolen, and still wants to send another $68 billion. Matt? 
and the willingness to put it all together. And, and I think most people in the U.S. and, and certainly around the world, and in the U.S., it's younger folks who seem to be catching on to this and having the courage, if you will, the audacity, if you will, to connect the dots, not allow any blackouts in American history. So you see that what's happening in Ukraine, that looks different. It's a proxy war. It's not a direct war. It's in Europe. It's not in the Middle East. But it's fundamentally no different than what happened in Iraq, fundamentally no different than happened in Afghanistan. Those are no different than what we did in Central America and Vietnam, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what you need are the people to come out to provide that color because people have a black and white understanding and they need their suspicions, their uh, thoughts, uh, their understanding of what's occurring with our government overseas to be confirmed. And I just want to want to go back to uh, Dan uh, and, and Ray as well. But Dan referenced uh, Catherine Gunn. And if people most Americans are not familiar with Catherine Gunn because she was British and she was a member of GCHQ, which is the British version of, of the NSA. And she went to the press on the in the weeks before the U.S. invasion of Iraq to detail how the U.S. and the British were trying to sabotage the diplomatic process at the United Nations. And a quick and easy way to learn about her, why a fantastic movie called Official, Official Secrets with Kira Knightley. It's a great film, tells Catherine's story very well. But that's the type of thing we're talking about. We need the people who are who have the evidence. Right. Right. There, there, there are a lot of people, you, you would know this better than I, because you used to work there in the State Department, who have recently indicated enormous mm -hmm. public uh, displeasure with the president's policies in Ukraine uh, and Gaza. Am I right about that, Matt? There, and we just even just uh, yesterday, I believe it was, you have 40 interns at the White House sign a letter stating we do not support this this government our government is not just promoting genocide it's enabling genocide it's we're providing the bombs to kill the people who right. are being ethnically cleansed and so you're seeing that throughout you've seen at the state department you know, particularly with the high profile resignation of josh paul who is just absolutely stellar being uh you know not it's just a, a moral exemplar right now in a time we have very few moral exemplars publicly in the government uh, but then you had the USAID, over a thousand people at USAID, that's the United States' development arm of the State Department, sign a, a letter protesting against this. You have 400 political appointees throughout the government uh, sign a letter disagreeing with this support for genocide. And, you know, with that speaking out, with that stepping out, there also comes back to what Ray was talking about, the need for people to put their bodies on the line. And as Dan was saying as well, and Dan Ellsberg got arrested about 100 times at least. Uh, so he wasn't just mouthing these words without putting his body behind it. Ray has been arrested many, many times. I keep on my wall right next to me. You'll like this. <laughs> this is Ray's bolo <laughs> from the State Department uh, when he interrupted Hillary, when he, when he did a silent interruption of Hillary Clinton. And uh, the State Department was so threatened by that. The Secretary of State, the American government, was so threatened by a person standing silently in opposition to Hillary Clinton's warmongering that they put out a bolo, a be out on the lookout, a be on the lookout for, right? I mean, and so that's the type of people that we need to rally around and support and listen to because they're the ones who've left before and they're the ones that we need now. You're a great man, Ray. I'm going to switch to um, uh, Gaza and uh, start with a clip just a few minutes ago from a man we both, uh, the three of us know and admire, Larry Wilkerson, Colonel uh, Wilkerson. Here's what he had to say about 
Bibi Netanyahu. I wish I could say I think what you're saying will eventually come about, but I go back to Hannah Arendt and her phrase, the banality of evil. What we're seeing is the banality of evil work every 24 hours in this situation. We're seeing people getting to the point where they just want to ignore it. They want to go somewhere else. They want to get away from the bloodshed. They want to get away from the killing and the murder and the slaughter. And they'll figure out a way to do that, whether it's Mohammed bin Salman or it's El Sisi in Cairo or whomever. They'll figure out a way to do that. Now, if it should impact their interests directly, like, for example, the king of Jordan, if they push too many into Jordan, or El Sisi, if they push too many into Egypt, then it could change. But I don't think it'll change dramatically. I think it might be a word or two in the ear of the Israelis, but it won't be much more than that. They're going to continue until they've done what they want to do. That was my question to him uh, about uh, how much longer can the Israelis continue uh, the slaughter. Later on in that uh, clip, he refers to Bibi Netanyahu as der Fuhrer. Ray? Well, I'd like to, uh, to go back what I feel is really needed here. We don't need people resigning from the State Department, although that's a laudatory thing to do. We need them taking the documents with them and showing how Bibi Netanyahu is running our foreign policy, for God's sake. Yeah, der Führer Netanyahu. We need people with the guts to stand up and find a, a, a journalist who is worth his or her salt, like Neil Sheehan during the Pentagon Papers, go to them and say, look, I took this stuff out. I have a I have a plane ride to, to Hong Kong. I think I could be safe for a while, like Ed Snowden was. Publish it for God's sake and show how how corrupt our government is and how snivelly, how snivelly the Biden administration is during genocide in Gaza. That's what needs to happen. You have to take the papers out. You have to give them to a responsible person who get them out so the American people can know. Let me add one more thing. When the Pentagon Papers came out, Rick Smith and Neil Sheehan were working on them. And Rick reports this. He said, Neil Sheehan said, Rick, these bastards in government have been lying to the American people about a war that they knew the American people would never stomach if they were told the truth. Now I've got the goods on them. In their own words, in their own documents, let's publish. That's what we need. That's what we need today. Ray, you're a gentleman, but I love when you're angry, and I love the uh, <laughs> I love the passion. So I'm going to make you angrier. Um, uh, Chris, let's run uh, President Biden uh, yesterday, speaking just to the press. Good afternoon, everyone. I'd like to speak to you today about an urgent responsibility the Congress has to uphold the national security needs of the United States, and quite frankly, of our partners as well. <clears throat> this cannot wait. Congress needs to pass supplemental funding for Ukraine before they break for the holiday resources. Simple as that. Frankly, I think it's stunning that we've gotten to this point in the first place. While Congress, Republicans in Congress, are willing to give Putin the greatest gift he could hope for and abandon our global leadership, <clears throat> not just Ukraine, but beyond that. If Putin takes Ukraine, 
He won't stop there. It's important to see the long run here. He's going to keep going. He's made that pretty clear. If Putin attacks a NATO ally, then we'll have something that we don't seek and that we don't have today. American troops fighting Russian troops. American troops fighting Russian troops if he moves into other parts of NATO. Extreme Republicans are playing chicken with our national security, holding Ukraine's funding hostage to their extreme partisan border policies. And now they're willing to literally kneecap Ukraine on the battlefield and damage our national security in the process. Look, I know we have our divisions at home. Let's get past them. This is critical. Petty, partisan, angry politics can't get in the way of our responsibility as a leading nation in the world. We can't let Putin win. Say it again, we can't let Putin win. It's in our overwhelming national interest and international interest of all our friends. So I think the two of you are still muted. <laughs> oh, there we go. All right. I thought you were muted. I mean, there's not, Matt, um, uh, Matt, there's not a word of truth in what he said. No, not a word of truth in what he said that that Putin wants to take Ukraine and move on to other NATO countries. In fact, Putin has said a hundred times the opposite. Correct. In all in all the actions and the actions of how the Russian army has conducted itself and everything else, there is no interest in expanding the war outside of Ukraine. And what we see primarily is an interest in maintaining a limited war. I mean, half a million dead and killed is certainly not limited, but territorially a limited war. Uh, in order to achieve the goals that Russia has, which is not a reestablishment of some type of imperial Russian or imperial Soviet uh, empire, uh, but rather a a buffer zone, a safety zone, uh, a security zone between them and NATO. Um, This idea that somehow Russia, which has only been able to advance, what, roughly 60, 70 miles west into Ukraine in nearly two years, is somehow then going to go and march on Berlin, someone will then march on Paris and then cross the channel and take London. Mm-hmm. This is, but we've heard this before. We've heard this all the time over and over. Oops. Uh, somehow we lost you. We lost you, Matt. All right, Ray, I will, I will go to you while Matt uh, adjusts or, or addresses his, um, his yeah. volume. Sure. Okay. Back, well, I just, okay. Okay. Um, well, would, I, I would, would your friend Bill Burns, Ray, have seen what the president said ahead of time and said to him, this is hogwash and no one will believe it? The first part is correct. He would have seen it beforehand. The second part is incorrect. He's a bureaucrat. He's a cog in the system. Okay. Now, Bill Burns told the president of the United States to say two months ago, Putin has already lost. And now we have the president coming two months later saying, we can't let Putin win. What the hell is going on here? It's politics, pure and simple. And when they say, you know, oh, don't let the Republicans kneecap us or kneecap Putin or or kneecap the Ukrainian friends of us. That's pure politics. A lot of people are getting killed. And there again, I hope a whistleblower could come out and say, look, this is the real deal here. It's lost, you know, it's just not the Russians lost, it's the Ukrainians lost. And there's no way that 56 billion more or 400 billion more, which the Ukrainians are now requesting, is going to change anything in that part of the world. 
And Matt, you have a finger on the pulse of the uh, politics as well. Uh, what do you think the Congress will do with uh, old Joe's request for $68 billion? Com combine it with aid to Israel, combine it to build a border wall and give Zelensky whatever he wants to steal and run to Miami? Yeah, I, I think the... Uh... The money for Israel will get cut, will get pulled out because that is uh, the priority for both parties. And the pressure they're going to be under from APAC and other Israeli lobbies is but immense. Money with no strings. With no strings. About, about actually, slaughter and actually and moving the few strings there are that on that are on the roughly four billion dollars we give the IDF every year are going to be removed. So the requirements to utilize that money to purchase American weapons are going to be removed. The requirements of the con of Congress to be notified. So this can all be done in secret. Uh, you know, I mean, so it is it, it, it's very nefarious what they're doing, in addition to supporting a genocide and ethnic cleansing. And I think what will happen with the Ukraine funding is it will go through because that's such a huge gravy train for the military industrial complex. There's no way. Boeing, Lockheed, Raytheon, they are, are not going to get their hands on that money. But I think it's going to take a lo much longer time than the Democrats wanted, and it's going to cost them a lot. So I think the, Isra the Israeli aid will get pulled out, and then you'll have a separate Ukraine border. Uh, and then I think as well, too, I think the Taiwan money, the money for against China for the war that, that so many in D.C. want, a war with China, I think that money is pretty safe, too. Ray, I'll give you the last word. Well, why do presidents like bloodshed? The presidents that we have had recently have been captive to the military-industrial complex uh, with respect to the Middle East, captive to the likes of Benjamin Netanyahu. They're not their own people. They're captive to their own entourage, so the so-called deep state. They have no guts, and that's largely the reason why they let themselves be twirled around by the likes of Führer Netanyahu. Here's um, uh, Colonel Wilkerson, former chief of staff to uh, career military, former chief of staff to uh, Secretary of State uh, Colin Powell, with his opinion of Bibi Netanyahu. Since Netanyahu took over, indeed, probably since Ronald Reagan had to really bash the Israelis when they went into Lebanon in 1982. But it's certainly been their policy since Netanyahu took over. He is the most draconian leader Israel has had in its short history since 1948. How do you see He is the Fuhrer. He is the <laughs> Well, we'll end with that. Gentlemen, thank you very much. It's late in the day on a Friday. The audience is deeply appreciative. Your humble correspondent is profoundly appreciative. We'll see you both next week. All right. Thanks, Thank you. Well, we're up to uh, 245, close to 246,000 of you subscribers. Our goal, of course, is a quarter of a million by Christmas time. Christmas is a couple of weeks away. I think we'll reach it, but not without your help and not without talking to your friends, neighbors, co-workers uh, and colleagues, even people that don't like me, tell them to subscribe. Judge Napolitano for judging freedom.